0: My guest, Miguel Gonzalez, will take us on a journey from Oporto, Portugal, to Maputo, Mozambique, as we continue to explore the many ways our young athletes carve out beautiful lives for themselves, confront the challenges along their journey, and create opportunities for those coming up behind them. My name is Neville D'Angelo, you are on the journey. <laughs>
1: Along the journey we stop at intriguing
0: places and meet fascinating people with novel solutions to some of life's tricky questions. And we play a few games and track the remarkable characters of three classic books, A Soundbite Life, Flight of the Fused Monkeys,
1: and Illicet, A Time to Begin Again, all of which can be found on Amazon and Barnes and Noble.
0: our guest in Mozambique. Hi Miguel, welcome to The Journey.
1: Thank you, thank you Neville.
0: Share with our audience, if you will, a little about yourself.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, My name is Miguel Gonçalves. Uh, I I just turned 29 years old. Uh, I'm from Portugal. I was born in Portugal, but I was raised in Mozambique. Uh, I started playing tennis when I was a little... uh, um, well, uh, around 10, 11 years, but I was also playing soccer. Then I went back to tennis when I was around 16 years old. And from then on, I, uh, I dedicated myself to tennis up to now. Uh, right now, I'm living in Mozambique. I'm back in Mozambique uh, after a few you know, uh, travels around the world. And I have my own tennis school, and I'm teaching tennis. I also play and might even join the national team here wonderful so that's uh, that's a uh, um, a small uh resume of uh, what i am right now so <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much uh, tell us about your hometown back in europe first sure sure uh i was born in oporto uh i uh, actually i didn't i didn't live there since i was uh since i was uh, 2 years old i came to to big then and I only went back when I was 18. Ah. So at first, I didn't really know much about my town. It's an old town. It's still an old-fashioned old town. Like, it's big. It's, uh, one of the biggest cities in the country. Mm-hmm. But it has, still has a lot of old buildings, a lot of uh, uh, old parts of the city, you know, with a lot of history, a lot of great places to visit for tourists. Uh, as a, as a, I think it's the... the City in the country that has the most bridges, only four, but that's a lot there because <laughs> country, it's a, a small country. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, really, it's, it's it was capital uh, of culture in Europe for many many years. It's called uh, it has a, a special name like called Invicta. It means uh, un, unbeatable or. Uh, you know Invictable, something like that right. and uh well it's a really good place to 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 visit if you guys uh, like uh visiting new countries learning new stuff uh, you know watching stuff uh tourist stuff i mean and uh, as far as tennis is concerned it's, it's uh, quite developed there's some of the best talents in in our country you know portugal come from from Porto too could you name name press a few uh well I can always talk talk about Nuno Marques. He, he used to be the former best player of all times, Portuguese, uh, and uh, he well, he he was like top 100 ATP. He was 86 in the world. That was the highest any Portuguese had uh, ever ranking uh, ranked. I mean, we have uh, João Sousa he's like currently the the top ranked uh, Portuguese player. He is uh, I think he went to the third or fourth, uh, Yeah, he went to the third round in the U.S. Open. He lost to Novak Djokovic. He, beat, he did beat uh, Grigor Dimitrov in the first round in a five-set. It was a really, really good match. Yes. Um, so we have uh, also th- this uh, other guy I'm talking now, Rui uh, Machado, he's, he's a little older, he's about my age, uh, but he was also, I think he was the highest-ranked player now of mm-hmm. all time. Mm-hmm. He was 65 in the world. It's, uh, he's uh, still a very good player. He's, he just had a lot of injuries. He's coming back against the tour. We had Frederico Gil, Leonardo Tavares, and uh, all those are a little older than João, but all of them are still really good and uh, active players. And we had, we got a really, really a lot of juniors, really talented juniors in, in Portugal. It's just in Portugal um, the level uh, the um, the level of living is is not as good, and uh, most of the people that play ten- tennis, they only play until they're juniors. Most of them. Then go to college because they have no money to go pro. They have no, they don't have what it takes to, in terms of financial terms, to keep playing, keep playing till they get some results and maybe some sponsors. So they usually just take the safe way and they go to college. Mm-hmm. And well, some some of them, the ones that are already either top juniors in the world or already have a, a international ranking, ATP ranking. They usually get some sponsors or they get some help, from federation. They, they keep on going, uh, trying to go pro. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the biggest problems. I've seen a lot of talented juniors, really, really talented guys. Some of those kids that you see, you see a match between them, and you see these guys could really, really be top-notch tennis players. But And then after one or two years, you don't, it, they don't play anymore. It's just a little sad, but happens a lot.
0: This brings up a standing question of the week. Have you got the traits of an athlete? Let me repeat that for you. Our question of the week is this. Have you got the traits of an athlete? David K. Williams, who is a contributor to Forbes and a lifelong entrepreneur and who writes about life and business lessons, published an article this week entitled, Why You Should Fill Your Company with Athletes. You'll find a link to the article on our website. In it, he gives us six reasons why his company works to fill their roster with athletes, by which he implies those folks, whether or not they came up as professional or amateur athletes, at least they share the traits of an athlete. Now, here are the six reasons he gives, which, of course, he covers with more detail In his article, one, they have the drive to practice a task rigorously, relentlessly, and even in the midst of failure until they succeed. Two, athletes achieve their goals. Three, athletes develop new skills. Four, athletes are exceptional entrepreneurs. Five, athletes strive for balance. And six, athletes work well with partners and in teams. And then he asks this question at the end of the article, How are you finding, fostering, and training the champion athletes on your own business team? Everyone deserves the opportunity to discover the athlete within themselves. So let me pose the question of the week again. Have you got the traits of an athlete? Have you got the traits of an athlete? Now, what took you... To Mozambique.
1: Well, as I said before, I I really, actually, I grew up here. Mm -hmm. And uh, after, when I turned 18, uh, we went back to Portugal. I had no, 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 really, no choice. Uh, My parents just went. I was studying still. I I was already uh, also playing, but I I wanted to stay here. But I had to go, and my parents just couldn't stay here. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I kept on practicing in, in in Portugal. Um and after that I, I went to US. I was in US for three years. Uh, I don't know if you remember Hugo when I met you there in Yes, uh, I
0: certainly do. I, I do.
1: Uh Hugo uh, yeah. I was there with Hugo for three yes. years. I was one and a half year in Texas and then one and a half year in Florida. I actually met you probably know Tornado Black. I met yes. her at Rick Rick Macy Academy. Hugo coached her for a while. Yes. And uh, uh also another uh, some other great juniors that we met there. Yes. And after that, uh, well, really I was considering working in the U.S. Uh, with Hugo. The thing is, uh, there, there's all that uh, legal uh, borrowing stuff with work visas and was taking too long <laughs> for Hugo to, to take care of that stuff for me. So I just said, look, I'm just going to go to Mozambique because I have family there. I grew up there. I, I, I live more than half my life there, mm. so I can just go there anytime and just get a either work visa or I can even get the a nationality there uh, and just you know work there for a while because also I haven't I hadn't seen my mom in years and my my kid brother because I I've, I've been traveling just for tennis and whatever uh, the whole time mm-hmm. and so I just decided to come here uh, I, I was just going to stay for one or two months and then probably go back to Portugal but as soon as I got here my first ever coach from over. Ten years ago, mm-hmm. the one I, that started me, uh, started coaching me in tennis here in Mozambique. He, he just came to me and he said, "Oh, this must be fate. You gotta work <laughs> with me. You gotta start working with me." And like that was uh, on the third day, was I was here and then that, that I met with him by by chance.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: he said that, and I just started working with him, and I'm still I still am working with him right now. Wonderful. Actually, I created my own like uh, tennis school, like uh, a name and an, an enterprise, uh, so I could you know take care of the the legal documentation. I took care of all of that. I got the license to to you know to teach here and all that, and then I took care of uh, my visa. Mm-hmm. And right now, I work at uh, my friend's tennis school, but it's kind of like my tennis school is, or I'm in behalf of my tennis school. I'm. Uh, uh, providing services as a coach to my friend's study school. It's kind I of gotcha. how it works legally. Right.
0: Yeah. My guest is Miguel Gonzalez, athlete, coach, and entrepreneur speaking to us on the journey in Mozambique. When we return, I will ask him to tell us more about this former Portuguese colony in Africa and about life there. Remember, you'll find links the music you hear and the articles we reference on Ryosports.com that is R Y O S T O R T S dot com You'll also find us on your favorite platform wherever you joined us on the journey. <laughs> Let's return to our guest. Well, Miguel, tell us a little bit about Mozambique.
1: Hey, sure, Neville. Uh, well, Mozambique is a uh, uh, very—it's not very big, but it's actually kind of big when you compare it to my uh, home country. It's like seven times, uh, at least seven times bigger than Portugal. Uh, and uh, is that unlike, in physical
0: size or in number of
1: people? Yes, yeah, in, in territorial size. Yes, right. it's uh, seven times uh, bigger in terms uh, in, in uh, talking about, you know, area, um, yeah, area. Typical sort of yeah. yeah. A lot of people in America might uh, think uh, mo- uh, Africa is not a country, it's a continent, and there's a lot of country, uh, countries. There's Mozambique. Just next to Mozambique, you have a very, very tiny country called Swaziland that you can go uh, one side to the other by car in one hour. You have South Africa, you have Zimbabwe, you have a whole bunch of countries around here. Uh, anyway, Mozambique uh it's a very very uh rich country in terms of na- natural resources uh is a, an, an underdeveloped country uh, many people sh- uh, probably already know that too um but it has a lot of potential because of its natural resources it has a lot of uh foreign countries investing here as well uh, even america there's a lot of american people here a uh, f- 10 years ago when i le- f- left here mm-hmm. uh there was mostly Portuguese and a few other uh, 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 um, nationals from other countries. Uh, but um, now there's all kinds, all kinds of, of people from other countries. You have American, you have Spanish, you have uh, people from Holland, Germany, Korea, Japan, China, all over the world. You have you have a lot of international schools here. And many countries are exploiting some part of those natural resources. They're investing here a lot, they're opening a lot of companies. Uh well it's it's um it's there's a lot of potential because there's a lot of money uh being injected into into Mozambique, into development in Mozambique. Mm. So uh it's a country that is seeing a lot of foreigners come to because there's a lot of uh, work opportunities here. So a lot of people that cannot get a uh big job in their area in their country sometimes they they ca- come and seek uh jobs in underdeveloped countries like like Mozambique um also the, right now i'm uh as you know i'm in maputo which is the capital is the the economical and uh, and, uh capital and also the biggest uh, the, the biggest city has the most inhabitants i believe has a, around 6 million uh people mm-hmm. uh if i'm if i'm not uh um i'm not sure if i'm i'm correct but uh i when i was younger i grew up in uh in a smaller uh like a uh, small village and then i uh in the last few years i came to maputo and now that i that i came back from uh, from outside i came back to maputo because it's really the only place you can you can work and do the kind of work I, that i do so uh what was village life like uh was great it was great growing growing up in a village uh like for you to have an idea, there was like a, a around ninety ninety kids in my school, <laughs> so I knew everyone since I was a little kid until uh, uh, from the kindergarten until ninth grade, which was the the maximum grade in in that school. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone knew everyone. Everyone uh, in the community, the Portuguese community, there knew everyone. There was a lot, uh, around maybe two hundred, three hundred people there. Mm-hmm. And just a, a little uh, side note. That uh, village I grew up is actually uh, has a dam built, one of the biggest in the world. And I believe in 1975, it was the third largest dam in the world. Mm. It's uh, it's also known as uh, Kaurabasa. Mm. The name of the city now uh, is Songo, but it used to be known as Kaurabasa. Mm. And, uh, well, it's just a, a little side note. In case you guys ever visit, <laughs> you, sh- you should pay uh, uh, a... <laughs> You should pay a, a take, take a, a little visit there. Yeah. Good. Good. It was, uh, as I say, growing up there was really nice because I know I, I feel like in some way um, I, I'm I'm really at, I get really attached to, to things really easily. I, I I was I grew up used to to knowing everyone, to having no secrets, to to be really close with everyone. It's I I believe it's really great, and then. When I went into into a city to live, I really felt the difference. I, I became a little bit isolated. I, I couldn't adapt so well because I was used to, to knowing everyone and then all of a sudden I knew no one. So hmm. uh now did you move anyways, to the, did you move to the city at that point to go to uh
0: high school or, or, or Yes, yes, you know? I had
1: to go because of high school exactly. When when you get to ninth grade you you to, to go to high school you just had to come to the capital. Otherwise hmm. uh you just can keep studying. <laughs> so, yeah. And, uh, well, that's, that's mostly all I know about Mozambique. Oh, I can give you another side note. As most people, I'm not sure if most people are familiar with Mozambique's uh, history, but uh, Mozambique was under Portuguese uh, dominance for uh, many years during the colonial wars mm-hmm. and only got independence. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to embarrass myself because I don't really know the date, mm-hmm. but it wasn't that long ago. That's why there's a, still a very big, strong uh, Portuguese community here. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's probably one of the reasons why Mozambique's uh, a little underdeveloped was probably about the colonial wars for for freedom.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Also, I, I gotta I gotta admit Portuguese are not the best people governing because <laughs> of the the state the country is now. And if you look at all the countries that were ruled or governed by the, the English colonies, mm-hmm. uh, they are almost more, uh, a lot more developed than the ones that were uh, governed by the Portuguese community, uh, you know, Portuguese uh, colonies. So it's just a side note <laughs> and also a personal opinion. <laughs> well, that's okay. Well, when we are
0: back, uh, we'll ask Miguel to tell us a little bit about tennis in Mozambique. We'll be right back. It is time for our Rio Sports Health Watch, guys. This one is for you. It is time for your
2: testicular checkup.
0: Something we should take quite seriously and very often don't.
2: So, gents, thank you so much for doing this. Are you all ready? Yeah. Okay, this is the big moment. Towels off, please. Examining your testicles is really, really easy. Essentially, what you're doing is looking for anything that wasn't there the last time you did this. And first of all, maybe using a mirror if you need to see more clearly, look how they hang. How do they look? What does the skin look like? Any redness, any swellings, any lumps or bumps, any cysts, any funny marks? How do they hang? Does one hang lower than the other? Actually, most of ours do. That's completely normal.
1: So once you've had a good look, now it's time to have a feel, and probably the best time to do this is in a warm, relaxed environment, maybe in the shower or after a bath. And really, using the palm of your hand, you just cup your testicles, and you want to feel if there's any changes. You've got two, so you can compare them. Are they the same size? Are they the same kind of
2: consistency? It's really very straightforward. The next bit, what I tend to do is with a thumb and two fingers, you're just going to roll it around over the surface, holding the skin of the scrotum and letting the the testicles slide through it. should feel a little bit like a grape or or a peeled, boiled egg in a bag of fluid. And just run your hands all over the outside. At the back, there are various wiggly bits coming out. You don't need to worry too much about those. At the front, though, it should all feel smooth. And you're looking for any little lumps, bumps, or irregularities, or, as I said, changes that weren't there before. Give them a gentle, gentle squeeze. They can be tender and again you want to feel the consistency are they sort of spongy soft, or have they change and become more hard
1: so you do that once a month and you'll get to know what's normal for you and that's your job done all you need to know is what's normal for you and then it'll be easier for you to spot any changes if you spot any changes you need to tell your doctor but don't panic the vast majority of lumps and bumps and testicles are benign and nothing to worry about
0: For more demonstrations about your testicular checkup, visit your RyoSports health watch at RyoSports.com, that's R-Y-O-S-P-O-R-T-S dot com, where the rugby team has boldly volunteered to lead the way. Remember, a healthy mind lives in a healthy body. It is time for your checkup. See the testicular checkup video. Ryo sports help watch r y o s p o r t s dot com
1: we're going to talk about uh the current state of tennis here to tell you the truth it's a little bit stagnant i could say that is it's uh in its uh imaginary stage. I mean, it's pretty much uh, a little baby still waiting to, to be born.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It is practically in the same way uh, it was when I left Mozambique like 10, 11 years ago. I was almost 10 years out of Mozambique. I was in Portugal and then in the US, as I have mentioned before. Mm-hmm. When I came back, it's still pretty much the same. There's still there's a lot more people playing because there's a lot of foreigners now and a lot of People have tradition in playing tennis. But in terms of development, I didn't really see that much development. Some of the guys that that still play, some of the best players here in Mozambique are some of the kids that I grew up with playing. And some of them uh, are players and they, they coach a little bit just in their spare time to make a, a little extra money. There are, Many of them are studying too. Um, in terms of infrastructure, there's virtually none. Uh, the Mozambique Tennis Federation doesn't really do much. It doesn't do uh, what it should do to, to develop tennis, in my opinion, uh, in my point of view. What do you think they should be uh, doing? Uh, well, they sh- first, they should try to, I believe they should try to get some, either some sponsors or some, some extra funds to start beating clubs and tennis courts. There's very few tennis courts in all of Mozambique. In Maputo, for a city with uh, around 6 million people, uh, there's like maybe 10, 12 public courts that you can access publicly. Most of all of the other courts available are either private or belong to embassies or hotels, and people can really get access to it. So Mm. in terms of general public, really, most people can really play. You know, this is one of the, the countries... if. Some people consider tennis an elite sport. Here's one of the countries you could consider that because you really have to to have money to play here because mm-hmm. there's very few courts and it's expensive to rent by the hour, mm-hmm. and most of them are always uh, either booked uh, by uh, by members of the, the the only club there is that exists here in the in the in Maputo, mm-hmm. or uh, by coaches. They are teaching constantly, so there's really no room for new people to come and start playing. And you know, for you to have a few really, really top-notch players, you gotta have thousands of, of people playing, thousands of people uh, practicing and actually competing, uh, uh, you know, intensively, aggressively, in order for for those big players to be to to be formed, to 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 develop, mm-hmm. to flourish. Uh, and uh, right now there's no conditions for that. The, also there's there's no for instance there's no circuit. There's very few tournaments yearly here. Some uh, some of us um, some, um, in our group, the group that I've, that I've created to to try and you know boost tennis a little bit, try to, to get people to know tennis a little more. Uh, we are trying to to get some sponsors, get some of the juniors to go with us outside of the country to play some tournaments. Mm-hmm. you know get, get people excited about it Trying we were trying to get the some of the media involved trying to get awareness in 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 see if in any way we can uh uh you know get tennis to grow because mm-hmm. uh tennis is is growing slowly but uh for it to grow faster you just need more first you need more places for for people to play tennis and then you really need to to Get people uh people need to see tennis they need they need to see it and like it like mm-hmm. most people that they are in tennis uh, have mm-hmm. and the federation just doesn't generate that you know that um that awareness and uh, n- so n- it's a little bit stagnant that n- there's always the same faces from ten years ago are the same faces from today. Okay. the first i mean the faces from ten years ago in tennis are still the faces of tennis today.
0: Look, well, can I have, uh, can I ask you a couple of questions uh, about this? Sure. Is is the tennis federation at tennis federation or is a sports federation in which part tennis
1: is plays a part? Is, which one? Uh, no, is? It's, it, it is a, a I know it's uh, yes, it it is a tennis federation. I believe it's yes, it is a tennis federation solely uh, dedicated, dedicated to tennis, to tennis. And let, as, let, which is also why they should do more and. Right. Uh, not, not only they get a lot of money to 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 do uh, things in tennis but they get a lot of free gear uh from uh, donated from other countries really they, they have no expenses everything is given to them it's just better organization and they just got uncomfortable there and they just do whatever they want it's, uh, it's mm. most most people it's just not my opinion almost everyone that plays tennis is the same here mm. uh as youngsters i kind of try to, to Form this group that I've, I've talked to you about mm-hmm. to you know to increase awareness to make people play. We, we're trying to to grab you uh, know uh, take the matters into our own hands and just try to raise awareness without a, uh, searching any support from the from the federation because we we know we really cannot rely on them to to to, to do that.
0: Can there not be any arrangements with these existing? courts or clubs to make time and space available so you could develop, um, uh, you know, a, a, a tennis sporting tradition because it helps everybody sure, sure. in my
1: view. Sure. Sure. Actually, I'm, I'm actually taking, trying to, 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 to do that right now. I, Good. I've got, uh, um, I've been in a few meetings with, uh, the manager of, uh, you no know, the most renowned and, uh, uh, co- considered to be the best hotel in, in the city, which is the Serena, from the Serena group called Polano Hotel. Mm-hmm. It's co- considered the most luxurious and best hotel in Loputo. Mm-hmm. They only have a tennis court, but it, they have really, really, really uh, great uh, area around there uh, with a little free space. Maybe a few courts can be built there or it can be used for, for other purposes. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually going to try and start, uh, locate my, my own school there. Um, and try to to actually create a circuit, mm. either a, a, a some kind of leagues like you have in in US, not the USTA leagues, not something that big because it's just impossible here, mm. but uh, a leagues uh, a few uh, a league with um, either teams made by some of the players that that play here and are really passionate about competing, mm. some of the veterans here. Uh, there's a lot of veterans that like competing so i'm i'm I want to start a circuit something that uh can uh make the players uh compete in a regular base mm-hmm. and since some of those veterans they work in very uh very uh how can i say influential uh, companies some of them work in banks uh, I was thinking that maybe when uh in since they like playing so much and they also want to see tennis grow here. Uh, they're really passionate about it. I think if some of those those uh, companies get involved in it, in in a, in a league, in a circuit, some kind of circuit where players of all levels can compete regularly, mm-hmm. maybe we can get some sponsors. Maybe we can get starting uh, to build a second club in the city because there's only one really one club mm-hmm. uh with six six courts which is it's uh, ridiculous if you have six million people. Right. Uh how can there only be one club with six courts and all uh the the school I work at right now it has two courts, it's really a resort. Mm-hmm. It's a hotel and resort. Mm-hmm. And uh, we use those two courts to for teaching kids, uh kids from four to sixteen years of age. Wonderful. And uh as I was saying this is why I've, we've been trying to take things in, into our own hands because uh, since I've gotten here, I've talked about this with some people in the Federation. They say, yeah, yeah, we're going to see that, we're going to see that. And it's been almost two years since I've got, uh, since I've been back and really haven't seen them do anything. And the largest ever expedition to a foreign country to play a, a, a tournament I believe you saw those pictures on my Facebook, and uh, right. all that was initiated by our group. We just said, we're going to play this tournament on that day, and there's also a junior tournament at the same time there. So, And the federation show, okay, we'll take the juniors, and we just went to about 20 people, and that's the biggest expedition in Tennessee history in and <laughs> make just just like that. <laughs> so... It, this tell, this this tell is about the current state in in uh, tennis in mozambique It's very small, but it has some really good uh, players and some really good uh talents coming up. Mm-hmm. The no. problem is it's not massive as in other countries it's oh, right. very underdeveloped It right. really needs a little boost here mm-hmm. now
0: what's the most popular sport in Mozambique?
1: Uh, soccer. Okay. <laughs> you call it soccer. It's football <laughs> right, there in, right. in the U.S. You call it. Uh, they, you call
0: it soccer. Right, right. I, I realize that. Now, um, okay, and, and I could see why that that, is, that that is popular. Now, do you is it that the people are not exposed to tennis as much? Um, to, uh, I know I know it's not being played as much, but do they love it? But it's not just available to them, or are the people just not interested in tennis from your view?
1: Yes, I I think they're not interested because they don't really know tennis. They they are not really exposed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When you go to a, a sports uh, bar or anything where people usually watch, uh, you know, sports, uh, mostly most of the time you have all the soccer leagues in Europe. You have the Portuguese, the English, uh, the German. You have all the leagues, but you have almost no tennis. So for us, sometimes we go, me and my friends, we, we, we all go together to watch uh, the day. For instance, the U.S. Open final, we, went, we had to like ask them to switch channel, and they were worried about, oh, no, but those people over there and all the people around you don't want to watch tennis, they want to watch soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't really, uh, al- unless you've played tennis before you came here or you played tennis since you were a kid here, people don't really know tennis. When when they see tennis, they think of it as maybe a hobby or you know something that is not really maybe a real sport like uh, here. It's not like uh, a real sport. It's just something for fun. <laughs> you know they don't really know about the sport. I don't think maybe they ever seen really good professional tennis on TV or maybe they just glanced at it but didn't really pay attention.
0: Now so. now how can you break through that? I mean you've got it's a very popular sport around the world now. It's growing. Globally, so how exactly. do you break through? How do you break through that
1: to get people to see it differently? Yeah, I think you just gotta have first. You gotta have a few more courts, uh, you know, around around town. You know, you got, people gotta have access to, to being able to play, and then maybe they'll get a little curious about tennis. And then I think a really big event, tennis event in in Mozambique, either like uh, a big tournament, a big junior circuit. Uh, With a few, uh, uh, a lot of advertising, so people can actually see. Oh, there's a big international event here. Uh, When is it happening? Oh, in next week or in two weeks. So okay, let I think I'll go check that out. Or you know, but 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 actually, usually if you see tennis live, usually if you see a good tennis match live, whether on TV or especially if it's live, like if you go there and you see people playing a good match, you usually get uh, hooked on it right away. At least that's how it was uh, since I was a kid and I, and I saw a really good match I, I was like the first time I saw a match between Andrew Agassi and Sampras, I was like wow <laughs> you know that, that's how I got hooked and then I started playing with my friends and rivalry started and I started you know getting into tennis like that
0: No, but but for promoters of tennis what would be the incentive for them to come to Mozambique if oh. uh, you see what I'm saying uh, if oh, if go ahead.
2: Uh,
1: yeah, that's actually, I, I think the, the answer to that is very easy. It's like, this is a virgin market for tennis. So whoever gets here first is going to, like, grab the monopoly of tennis. If if you start as a pioneer in tennis and people start uh, liking tennis and buying tennis, mm-hmm. uh, the first brand to be here is going to be The brand of tennis, you know, they just gonna people. A person is going to automatically associate that brand with tennis. Whenever someone says tennis, they're gonna think of that first brand. Mm -hmm. There's actually a friend of mine, uh, um, is one of the uh, the the guys in our group. He asked for uh, sponsors, I believe, to all the brands you could think of: uh, Babolat, all those uh, Wilson, Prince, Head, all the big brands, and some player institutions and all he could think of. is sent emails asking for support
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, all of them wrote back. Mm-hmm. Most of them couldn't help, but uh, there's one of the brands that is uh, apparently considering building eight new courts here mm-hmm. and also maybe a pro store, the, the first ever pro store in Mozambique. There's no pro store here. If you want to buy tennis gear, you, you either buy from one of the players that, uh is like a representative of one of the brands here mm-hmm. but he sells very expensive because he's the only one that has gear right. and or you either go to South Africa you go to one of the neighbor countries because there's no pro shops here so mm-hmm. f- for you to get tennis gear you got to travel uh you know got to go out of the country it's not that far it's like uh 120 mile uh drive mm-hmm. and uh but all well, those <laughs> but all those are barriers to to participation if it is
0: expensive for uh people to get access to the equipment that you need and it's it's impossible to find courts to play on and uh the interest isn't uh, somehow generated then it's it's difficult to promoters to want to spend the money to come in there how do you have you sorted out how you can put those things together so that there's not so many barriers
1: well uh <laughs> well we got some connections you know yeah. that term you know we got we we know some people in in the in well that they have influence some of them are uh uh are marketing uh guy uh you know they work in marketing their respective companies mm-hmm. so they as long as what they want they don't really care how they get their visibility as long as they get it. So if you can promote an event if you say, look, I'm going to to have a massive tennis tournament here. I'm I've I'm inviting uh top hundred players in the world to come playing here. I'm paying them this much money to bring them here to play for a week. Mm-hmm. And if your company sponsors us, uh we'll you'll have this big board uh, you know, showing your company's name kind of how it works. They don't right. really care if it's tennis or fashion or soccer, sure. showing their brand as long as they're showing it. And we can always have an incentive saying, uh, whenever tennis kicks off and starts growing, mm-hmm. uh, we can you can say that you were the, the the brand to, to you know, you were the platform to, to launch it. You were the, the pioneer <laughs> mm-hmm. because you actually endorsed tennis before anyone else would. So that's, that's what I tried to, that's the, the point of view I try to to pass on to the people I want to invest in tennis here. Good, good. Uh, other than that you just if, if, if we can get any uh, support this way I guess we just gotta do it ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> good good well we'll be right back
0: If you're looking to develop the finest traits of a super athlete or know someone that should, If you're looking to up the ante in your game or just want a fun and thrilling quick read, you're likely to return to time and again. Check out The Hunk I Dreamed. It is available for any of your digital devices from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and your favorite online bookstore for less than the price of a cup of coffee. The Hunk I Dreamed. Check it out. Let's return to our guest, Miguel Gonzalez, to find out how he deals with the challenges of introducing a new enterprise into a virgin
1: land. Many of the, the companies here, uh, sometimes uh, they they don't really feel comfortable investing uh, money in tennis because as as i've mentioned before it's it's not only a small sport and uh and and all that but it's uh well they don't really see a business in tennis right now it's uh, it's small and uh it's it's a small business so uh the, for, for most of uh people that are investors or whatever mm-hmm. uh, if they want to endorse something they're going to endorse something that is huge something that's already established and has already an audience. Mm-hmm. So, uh I think the, a, a way to bypass this really is is to talk to the people that can make the decisions to endorse tennis that like tennis and are passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Or you can um you know, there's there's always uh, th- there's also all these other solutions you can just um ask I, I believe there there is um funds for developing countries uh, in tennis i believe there's funds for that in ITF we, we thought about that asking for for help to, to the ITF uh because uh usually the, they they uh try to support the countries that need the most we we actually get a lot of free stuff like free rackets a lot of uh balls and a, a lot of equipment to to help the uh, you know to to help the youngsters that they have no money the the nationals here a lot of people that have no access to to, to gear mm-hmm. uh, they give a lot of that to the tennis federation but uh, as I was mentioning one of the reasons why tennis is, is really stagnant here is it's because the tennis federation does nothing with it they, they have a a huge store of uh, you know filled with gear mm-hmm. that is just there they they really use it most of the that gear is used by a few uh, good juniors. Mm-hmm. Most of them are, are either family, or you know, they are the sons of some of the the coaches and former players here, mm-hmm. and some of them are sons or nephews or whatever from people in the federation. It's kind of how it works oh, right, right now here. Mm. So yeah, that's very bad. It's a uh, very bad in, uh, situation, which is why uh, I, we really uh, all of us that are in our group that are youngsters. I, I when I came here, I said this is this is just the way it is. Uh, when I left here 10 years ago, it's the same people playing, the same people teaching. Uh, there's nothing new. There's no new courts. There's nothing. Is there any tournaments here? Oh, yeah, a few of these tournaments, uh, four or five tournaments a year. Uh, does anyone go outside to play? No, we're no. Is there a national team right now? Oh, yeah, the national team is this team, but they don't even play Davis Cup. There's no Fed Cup. Uh, actually, this year, finally, the federation did something, and now I, I believe from... The next year, there's going to be a Davis Cup team and there's going to be a Fed Cup team. It's already a huge advance, really. I wasn't expecting anything like that in the next ten years or something, <laughs> but <laughs> but there is. But they they did that, but they're not really preparing for anything. Uh, mm. I haven't seen any special training for the for the players. I haven't seen the juniors really training anything particular. There's really no. No education in the tennis coaches. Most of the coaches here, they don't have degrees. I mean, tennis degrees, you know, mm-hmm. coaching degrees. They don't have any of that. They just are experienced former players, mm-hmm. and that's it. They really cannot develop a player in the way that you see in the modern tennis today, where you go to an academy and they have everything. You have a, a, a sport psychologist, you have a biomechanics specialist, you have a coach uh, that has been a pro for many years and has many degrees and uh, you have sparring partners and you have machines that film you from very different angles and analyze your your drive and all that and correct you in all possible ways mm-hmm. and you have a shrink a sports shrink <laughs> that is going to, to detect if you are depressed or not and, well there's just none of that here, it's just like very uh, rud- uh i rudimenter. don't know if the word is used. yeah rudimentary uh coaching style you know old style <laughs> <laughs> and uh well i i think they should invest a little bit in, in on educating the 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 coaches you know forming some coaches uh and also try to s- start building really more courts all over the country not just in maputo but all over the country mm-hmm. and you know try for people to start playing tennis, even if it little by little, it I think it will help a lot. And then I I believe once tennis grows, uh, well anything that is that has business will have sponsors, will have brands interesting in interested in in uh, sponsoring as long as they can get their their brand name across and they can get their money, uh, uh you know their investment uh, have profit. Mm-hmm. They, that's what that's just what all investors want. So. I well, think that's that's, that's, that's okay. probably summarizes it. Sorry, that's, sorry.
0: <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Let, let let me ask this question now. Soccer, you already told me is a very popular sport, and obviously people are uh, watching uh, soccer and playing soccer. Um, I'm assuming, is there a large community of players playing soccer, or or is it mostly watchers?
1: No, no, no. There's a lot of of there's a lot more uh, soccer you know, pitches or fields uh, than there is mm-hmm. tennis courts. And, I mean, you don't really need a, a soccer uh, field. Field, to right, right. Play right. soccer. You just grab a ball and they play in the streets if well, they the, have to. That, that, and that, that, that's the thing. Most of the kids that uh, start playing in the streets here, they want to be professional soccer players like right. uh, Cristiano Ronaldo or whatever, right. or Ezebio, yeah. <laughs> you know, one of those big players uh, when they grow up. Right. You, you don't really see them um, because I don't think many of them even hear of tennis until are, they're like maybe 10, 11, 12 years, unless they're they know someone that is in tennis or someone uh, is uh, one of the tennis community members here. Mm-hmm. They won't hear about tennis unless you know they run into someone that that knows and in plays tennis or something like that. Many people here just. Don't really know what tennis is. <laughs> <laughs> not like they know what tennis is, but they don't really know what it's about. They don't know the rules. They have no yeah. clue. They don't even know if it's a professional sport or no. I, I I don't think many people here have seen you know professional tennis on TV. They see all oh, they see soccer and, and that's it. And then they probably don't won't even notice if there's a tennis match going on TV mm. unless they've you know they they know tennis. They've watched it before, but usually not. It's Hmm. just that that's how it is here. (laughs) There's no awareness. That's just that plain and simple. That's it. Okay. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Afro-Portuguese Sucas Music by Anita Makwakwa a talented African artist from Mozambique and a favorite of one of our athletes you will find the link to this promotion video at www.africanmusictv.weebly.com where you can enjoy a variety of African entertainers you can find it on YouTube or a link to it from our platform. Let us return to Miguel and find out with all these challenges, why is tennis so meaningful to him?
1: Uh, first, I really believe tennis is one of the toughest, toughest sports to to be good at. I think it's very demanding on all on all uh, things for a person. It's demanding physically, psychologically, and technically. So it's got all three things. That many sports uh um you know in, for instance, in soccer, almost anyone can play soccer really easily I mean for me at least uh I played since I was a kid, and, and it felt like uh, compared to tennis when I started learning tennis, it was so much more complex it was just a much more a complex process for you to get good in tennis it it really takes a lot, mm-hmm. and I believe it's it's uh, a sport that really strengthens people i i believe i i became a lot stronger not only uh athlete but I, i've become a lot stronger person uh I, because it, it 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 took me through a lot of tough situations and uh uh how can i how can i uh try to to get this to people uh well um uh, well it's it's very demanding, it's very challenging on all levels, uh, because it's, it's, um, it's, it all rides on you, it's like, you've got no one else to blame but you, you know, if you play a team sport, oh, my colleague didn't do what he, he can always have an excuse, oh, my colleague didn't do what he, what he, what he should do, so, I failed, but it was his fault, you know, in tennis, you know, you fail, you fail, it's your, it's your fault, you're on your own, and, uh, well, he got support from other people, but, uh in the end the results depend only depend on you so it's something that if, if you stick with tennis uh, sooner or later you end up getting stronger you end up getting as strong as a person if, if you can be tough in tennis if you can be tough on a tennis court playing a tennis match you're really gonna be really tough in life and you can get it can help you really get uh, through a lot of tough situations in life because you learn that the only thing you 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 can do to succeed is to keep fighting, keep fighting until you get good enough and tough enough to surpass your obstacles. Uh, it was for me. It was a lot like that in the beginning. Uh, and a coach told me that uh, actually an American coach that I asked I, I asked him by email over ten years ago if, despite having started in tennis like if it was ever possible for me to be a top-notch uh, tennis player. I said yes, as long as you keep practicing really hard, play as much as you can. Uh, spend hours, even if it alone against the wall playing, you'll understand what uh, uh, what tennis is about, the physics of tennis. You little by little you get there. And uh, well, I haven't really been a top notch player, but I, I've I've been pretty good for for uh, for uh, well for the time I've been playing for for the possibilities that I had in, in financial terms. You know, taking all into account, I've actually done real well for myself. So the the only thing that kept me going is that I knew sooner or later the work you put in the, the if you toughen if you tough through it you, you end up uh uh getting results. You end up pr- proud of yourself because uh you never gave up and you end up achieving most of your goals. In a sm- uh, smaller or larger scale you always end up achieving most of your goals and I think if you can do that in tennis, really you can you can do if you can do well in tennis, you can do well in anything else in life. I, I, I really do believe that. Most of the people that uh, that uh, can be good tennis players can be good in anything else because it's just that demanding. It's just that tough. Anyway, it's it's also very fun, and I think it meant a little bit of of. Uh, passion and dedication just like anything else in life. If, if you really like something, if you stick with it you and you, you work hard for it, you eventually gonna get good at it. Uh anyway, from my personal experience that's that's it. That's uh tennis has really made me a, a stronger person, has really broadened my horizons because you also get to know a lot of different cultures, you get get you know to travel a lot, you get to to know a lot of people from a lot of countries, you get to see how they themselves work through their uh, own problems, their own situations, it really opens up your mind a lot. It really uh, shows you uh, a little bit of everything in the world. I think it really opens up your perspective. Uh, you know, it, it really uh, uh, opens up your mind, not just for sports and just for tennis, but, you know, for life itself.
0: Well, I appreciate it very much, Miguel. It is uh, excellent to have you um, on air. I really, really do wish that not only in Puto and in Mozambique the tennis uh, is improved, but for you personally, I hope one day I'll look across the TV set and I'll see one or two or more of your players doing so well because they have come into contact with you, because you've had <laughs> a chance to develop
1: them. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Nella. Thank well, you for the invitation. I wish you a lot of success, uh, success too. I uh, Uh, I really appreciate this chance for, for me sharing a little bit of my experience and my thoughts thank you very much for this thank you so much
0: see you next week